Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Clinical Documentation Improvement and Integrity Podcast. I am your host, CDS System Educator for WVU Medicine, Kaylee Vincent. The podcasts are designed to bring you content relevant to documentation practices. At WVU Medicine, we want to ensure that our records accurately reflect the severity of illness um, and risk of mortality of our patient population. So our goal in CDI is to educate providers on documentation improvement opportunities. Our guest speakers on the podcast join our program to speak on various topics, including specific diagnoses criteria and documentation requirements. Please welcome our next guest speaker, Dr. Kosicki from Physician Advisory Services, here to talk to us about sepsis. Thank you for being a speaker. It is wonderful to have you as a guest. Hello, Kaylee. Uh, thank you for having me today. So sepsis is that life-threatening condition um, and it has that high mortality risk. It is also known to be the number one denial here at WVU Medicine and really across the nation as there's been evolving definitions and clinical criteria when diagnosing sepsis. That's correct, Haley. Part of our difficulties when diagnosing sepsis are that the criteria seem to continually change, in part due to pressures from insurance companies. To understand this, we need to know how sepsis has historically been defined in terms of clinical documentation. In the early 1990s, uh, we have the sepsis-1 criteria, which was the primary documentation guidance until uh, 2001. This is what most of us were held to during our training or early career. I know that personally, um, I would receive frequent documentation queries um, to ensure that I did not miss documenting sepsis. Um, so this criteria was essentially um, just a suspected infection plus SIRS. So for our early trainees, that means that the patient had to have uh, two or more of the following signs, either a fever, hyperthermia, tachycardia, tachypnea, leukocytosis, or leukopenia. So based off of the sepsis-1 criteria, a large portion of our patients that present with any acute affection um, would meet that definition of sepsis. This is great because we're not missing potential sepsis. However, with such a limited criteria to be met, there is that potential for overdiagnosing sepsis, which is um, leading to the increasing of denials from insurance companies. Do you wanna tell us a little bit more about how that sepsis criteria has evolved? Sure. Um, in 2001, uh, sepsis-2 guidelines came out, uh, which stated that the patient needed to have the suspected infection plus SIRS, but additionally, there needed to be some sign or of greater severity of illness. Um, so this would include things such as encephalopathy, uh, glucose imbalance, so either hypo or hyperglycemia, um, an elevated uh, procalcitonin, uh, hypotension, acute renal failure, coagulopathy, or decreased perfusion as evidenced by an elevated lactate or physical exam findings. Great. Um, the additional requirements seem to be a more accurate reflection of a true sepsis, and this would help avoid that over-documentation and the over-diagnosing of sepsis, and it re would reduce that denial rate on this condition. So as you stated, sepsis is evolving. In 2016, sepsis-3 criteria was published. Um, this is based off of the patient's infection, but also a change of two or more points in their SOFA score as a result of the infection. So as we discuss SOFA, keep in mind that for the six organ systems that are included in the SOFA assessment, 
A score can be assumed to be zero in patients not known to have a pre-existing organ dysfunction or in whom we don't have a baseline to compare. Can you tell us a little bit more about that sepsis three criteria? Um, yeah, as you said, in uh, 2016, we were directed to follow the sepsis three criteria, um, which meant that we were required to meet uh, QSOFA. Um, really indicating that the patient had to have true organ failure in order to meet the definition of sepsis. Um, so insurance companies really loved this, and this was, you know, primarily driven by those insurance companies, and many insurance insurers have adopted this requirement, again, leading to increasing denials for the diagnosis of sepsis. Um, the problem with this definition um, is that it leads to an underdiagnosis of sepsis, particularly early sepsis, uh, where intervention can prevent the development of organ damage. Um, and supporting the importance of recognizing and treating sepsis in early stages is the Surviving Sepsis Campaign that's strongly recommended against using QSOFA uh, due to the risk of missed uh, opportunities for early intervention. So as you can see, this becomes very challenging um, because uh, we've had multiple uh, definitions and criteria for sepsis, and uh, we now have a criteria that, as a clinician, some of us have concerns about um, that it is too stringent. Great points, and I agree that payers love that sepsis three criteria because it does hold a very high severity threshold. Um, however, there has been a lot of controversy between even a lot of professional organizations. Sepsis three has only been endorsed by the Society of Criti um, Critical Care Medicine and the American Thoracic Sur Society. Sepsis three has not been endorsed by the Society for Academic Emergency Medicine the American College of Emergency Physicians, um, the American College of Chest Physicians, or the Infectious Disease Society of America. Um, because of these concerns, there are pairs that are still following that sepsis two criteria. And due to the controversy, the WVU healthcare system um, formed a working group to come to a consensus about how we would define sepsis. This is basically a hybrid of that sepsis two and sepsis three criteria. Can you go over the definition that WVU Medicine has agreed up on and um, what we should be following system-wide? Uh, I'm happy to do that. Um, so Enterprise Clinical Documentation and the Department of Quality uh, met in 2002 and agreed upon sepsis guidelines um, that they recommended that we follow for the health system. This guidance acknowledges the importance of the diagnosis of sepsis and accurate documentation, uh, which assists the clinical decision making. They recommend that sepsis be defined as the presence of an infection with an associated organ dysfunction. Um, so this is a little bit more stringent than that sepsis too, but doesn't require the organ failure um, that is necessary to meet sepsis three criteria. Uh, so we would recommend continuing to use SIRS combined with the physical exam and biochemical markers um, that would support organ strain um, 
for example, a lactate greater than two, uh, some creatinine elevation that might not quite meet that criteria for a renal failure, a troponin elevation, or hypoglycemia. I would recommend that if you can link the organ dysfunction with the infection, um, that this should be considered sepsis um, and treat with that early goal-directed therapy. If you are documenting sepsis, then we need to ensure that you are treating sepsis. It is great that our healthcare system has this definition for the providers and staff. Um, so when diagnosing and documenting sepsis, for, some things for the providers to remember is that when applicable, they must make that link between sepsis and that acute organ dysfunction or failure. A documentation example could include sepsis with metabolic encephalopathy, um, secondary to UTI, or sepsis-related acute respiratory failure. And when acute organ failure is present and related to sepsis, consider the diagnosis of severe sepsis. Another documentation tip is to never use that terminology urosepsis and use care when documenting bacteremia for the diagnosis of sepsis. Urosepsis is not sepsis and it does not get reported as such. So if your patient has a UTI, then document the UTI. But if your patient has sepsis due to a urinary source or UTI, then clearly state that in your note. Likewise, bacteremia is not sepsis, and this just gets reported as an abnormal lab finding. There's no impact on severity reporting, and it is definitely not a justification for an inpatient admission. Um, we often see sepsis and bacteremia so. used interchangeably. Sometimes when the patient does have bacteremia alone without any organ dysfunction or sepsis, in that case, it would be appropriate. However, in these cases, when possible, link with that likely or probable um, infectious source. When your patient has met that sepsis criteria, we want to avoid the conflicting documentation and just stay consistent with the sepsis diagnosis. Uh, those are great points. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to highlight um, is the presence of hypotension. So if a patient is presenting with uh, an infectious source and has hypotension uh, in any other source criteria that would meet the criteria for um, for sepsis. So that plus the organ dysfunction, um, really we need to consider that severe sepsis. And this is something that is uh, frequently queried. Um, so do consider that um, severe sepsis uh, documentation. Um, so many of us will really need to consciously work to change our documentation habits um, as they have become ingrained. And it's important for everyone to understand uh, that clinical documentation is constantly evolving um, and that we do need to rely on our uh, clinical documentation specialists to really help us best represent our patients um, and their severity of illness in the rec medical record. Um, and also, you know, that will help us with those insurance denials. Terrific having you on our program. Thank you again, Dr. Kisicki. CDI at WVU Medicine work hard to help educate and facilitate accurate documentation for providers and to benefit our patients. Our main purpose of these podcasts is to collaborate with CDI and some of our best documenters and providers here at WVU Medicine. We are continuously looking to further represent how great our care really is. 
If you have a topic of interest, feel free to reach out to me to focus on that topic on an upcoming podcast. And thank you listeners for listening and being interested in learning about some of our best documentation practices. We have now had listeners from across multiple locations across the U.S. and around the world. I hope you find these helpful. I am your host, CDS System Educator for WVU Medicine, Kaylee Vincent. Happy documenting, everyone.